Man, I wish you were recording on the fucking yogurt business. To allude to the fact that I may have had 10-year-old yogurt in my refrigerator is yeah. horrifying. That's a I'm, lot. I'm glad we discovered that that's not possible, but there was a second one I believed it might be. 10 years old? Yeah. Thank God it wasn't because you'd be turning purple right now. It would have been the shortest episode we ever did. <laughs> For those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome to Icon or Wycon. This is the show where we break down our favorite film universes, one movie at a time, to see which stand the test of time. I'm Andrew David Sotomayor, and this is the Uma to my Quentin, Mr. CJ LaRoche. Hello, everyone. I'm CJ LaRoche, like Andrew said, and I'm here and I'm ready <laughs> because this one is my favorite. It's a big day for us. We have a very, very important film to discuss. The second in our Star Wars Skywalker Saga series. How many S's can I squeeze into one? Star Wars Skywalker says, you also rhymed time with time earlier. That's not a rhyme. It's just an identity. Oh, right. Tell that to the musical theater writers of the world. (laughs) Yikes. CJ, what movie are we going to do today? the empire strikes back they strike back they get in quick and then they get out the empire that is that's what i was saying they strike they strike back cool i just thought there was going to be a follow-up to the get out but i'm here for it i'm here for the silence i'm here for the moment you created for me they get in they get out they kick ass they run away it's, it's pretty perfect. it's a pretty big deal too. The Empire really has their shit together in this movie. Oh. No, the Empire is working at like uh mid clone wars level efficiency. They're really really doing it. Um I mean, top of the film, we meet Tauntauns and I live for the claymation Tauntaun action that this movie begins with. The Tauntauns are fantastic. The noise wah, 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 <laughs> noise they make the, they're like bighorn sheep, but they're also like lizards. It's crazy. And of course, they establish us on this ice planet, right? Yeah. So in the in the beginning of the first film, we're on we're on a desert planet, right, with browns and and beiges, and now all of a sudden we've got probe droids being released, and we're on an ice planet with whites and blacks. So it's cool. Ex- it's excellent. It's so cool, and they're giving us something new, and. This is the first in a series of successes where this film sets up a new and interesting world. And then as soon as we get into this world, we learn something new and interesting about the characters. Absolutely. And characters is a word that I'm probably going to say a hundred times over the course of the next hour, because the character development and you, like you alluded to the world building in this movie is spot on. It's off the charts. Apparently there's a rumor that uh, Irvin had continuously demanded from the screenwriters more character development because he felt it was absent in George Lucas's previous efforts. And it's that influence that really carried through the film and created the final product that we see, that he was very concerned about overt and clear character development from the get, and he got it. And it continued into Return of the Jedi. 
he got it. And I'll tell you the, the, the greatest thing about this movie, in my opinion, is the character building drives the action, not the other way around. We don't just have space sequences and battle sequences. We have action sequences that teach us about the characters. The characters grow within those sequences and the plot is moved along by the character development. It's, it's just fantastic filmmaking. Absolutely. I mean, let's just take the first 20 minutes into consideration in the first 20 minutes, we figure out that, uh, the rebellion is on this ice planet. Luke is a little bit reckless, has gotten super brave. He's on his daily patrol. We get some really, really nice Han and Leia banter. We see Chewie being a capable mechanic, like doing his thing because we need to know at the end of the movie that he's super capable of putting things back together. It's just very neatly composed that we learn everything new we need to know about people we know right in the very beginning and then the story kicks off from there it's it's a solid screenplay absolutely from like from from to echo base this is rogue two i've found them that chunk of the movie it feels like it goes by in about 36 seconds yeah it's so well done it's the the pacing is great you know, like you said, the, the, the character, uh, we, we're reminded of who these people are, right? Luke and, Hal are pa Luke and Han are pals. You know, 3PO and R2 are co the comic relief. You, like you said, Chewie's got it going on. With the, Han and Leia in the corridor, that sets up the rest of, like that sets up the next five episodes chronologically of the Star Wars saga. Oh, yeah. Right? Han and Leia's romance plays such a huge role in this movie and then the movies that follow it's like of course they didn't understand what they were doing then but they did it perfectly oh it's so good and it's so smart because it's interesting to watch these two films back to back i'm talking about a new hope and then empire strikes back because sure. there is a dramatic shift in what our stakes and what our goals are for these characters and they're also human all of a sudden the first one yeah. is very much a children's space opera. This next one is, I'm making a popcorn movie out of these people that you love and their relationships and their relationships with each other matter. Matter. Absolutely. And it, it, it's what drives the film. You know, in the first movie and then the third movie and then the seventh movie, we're like focused on blowing something up. Mm -hmm. In this movie, we've got room to grow. Absolutely. We, we're not we're not we're not bogged down with this mission that we have to be on. It's like we've got little missions <laughs> along the way. Um, and it's just so fascinating. And this is the movie I think that even though Star Wars A New Hope was such a, a colossal hit and like the biggest movie of all time at the time, th I think this is the thing that solidified the Star Wars franchise in pop culture. This is the one that we remember. So we will we Mandela effect our memories of this movie onto episode four. Sure. You know what I mean? I do. I, mean, I remember when The Force Awakens came out and there was a lot of criticism that it was a copy of A New Hope and in a lot of ways. Just a reboot. It was yeah. a reboot of A New Hope. That's exactly what it set out to be. But there are some wonderful things that they legit borrowed from Empire Strikes Back because mm -hmm. it's our it's the combined memory of A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back that resonates with us as our Star Wars foundation. 
I totally agree. And I'll tell you that I'll tell you just how good this movie is. It made me want to watch solo again. Really? I'm watching this movie and I'm like, you know what? I think I should go and uh, revisit solo right now. I'm so in love with these characters. I got to tell you, I can understand why Harrison Ford wanted to bow out after this film. Right. Because that is a star turn for him. He is such a movie star in this movie. He's the ultimate movie star. He is, he's a hunk. He's chivalrous. He's funny. You know, he's kind of a dick here and there. It's, it's got everything. And, and the character grows. The character grows from the first, you know, then I'll see you in hell to his last words in the movie of, I know the journey and the fucking arc that he takes. I mean, they all do, they all grow and change in, in some way, but I think you're right. I think Harrison Ford solidifies Harrison Ford in this film. He really wins the movie for me. And he's so charming, so handsome, such a skis kind of. Oh he, yeah. He says some he things to Leia that are not cool. Yeah. Oh, sure. He really does. And, and one of the things that I wasn't wild about was they do give Leia a couple of like, <laughs> like moments, you know what I mean? She does get a little bit. Yeah. So, sometimes yeah. in her banter, she's a little bit like the passive one, like, I don't like being talking to you like that. They give her a little Mae West moments, which don't really line up with who was established in A New Hope. Right. She's also, she's a general at this point. She's no longer Princess Leia. She's General Organa. Yeah. So for, for him to talk to her like that is a little inappropriate. At the same time, their chemistry is just off the charts. They're so, they care about each other so much. Oh, obviously. yeah. Let's chalk it up to like an awkward dude, you know, like beating up the girl on the playground that he likes. That's kind of what we're supposed to take away from it. I think yeah, I, I think with what we know now in 2020, it reads a lot more misogynistic than was the initial intention of it. Oh, sure. And Andrew, it was a different time. It was just a different time, you know, it, not to it, say like, oh, that's how people talked then. Yeah. But that's, you know, that, that's what we were looking at in the movies. And, you know, I think if anybody was not going to be okay with it it would have been carrie fisher and she would have said something she she would have said something she was definitely well established enough yeah to say something also um the banter is really charming and she does spar with him yes totally she's on his level like he's there's there's punches being thrown and there's punches being landed from both sides i love calls him a nerf herder she does call him a nerf herder we all remember the first time we got called a nerf herder it's not nice they play on his jealousy in interesting ways too. As confident as Han is in how she feels about him, they really make sure that we know that he is threatened by losing her. As much as he accuses her of being threatened about losing him, yes. he's threatened at the concept of losing her. And he really, I think he is prodding her because he really needs her to ask him to stay. Oh, absolutely. When he's in the, when he's in the corridor and he's like, come on, come on. You know, he's like saying, he's saying, tell me you love me. Just Just tell me you love me and then I'll stay. Yeah. And she's not going to do it. Yeah. And and if you trust me, if that wasn't his boy, Luke, on that table that she kissed, like he'd have dropped his ass after she left the room. Absolutely. She kisses Luke to make him jealous, something that will become weird in two years time. Yeah. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I watched the trailer and that kiss, they like filmed it where like they're going in like slow not just she plants it on him. So it's, it's even more <laughs> awkward when you watch the trailer. 
That's amazing. Mm. Well, there's a couple of things in this movie that you can tell uh, they made some decisions while they were filming, which always happens sure. in movies. They, they start working on it and overworking it and to varying degrees of success, they make these great discoveries. I think this movie successfully called audibles throughout the filming process. And they were able to create a tapestry yeah. that became very interesting for the world going forward. No doubt. Yeah, you got two screenwriters, right? You've got an original draft by uh, Lee Brackett, mm. and then Lawrence Kasdan, you know, sort of like finished it up and changed some things. And there were some things that were left in. Uh, another, uh, there is another later in the film when Luke is leaving Dagobah, like that was a leftover from the original script. So, yeah, and I think I think for the most part, all of those audibles are done successfully. I don't I don't have I don't have a lot of negative things to say about The Empire Strikes Back. No, it's a solid movie. A couple other character things that I thought were great was Chewie giving us range. Chewie loves his people. Yeah, and we know how he feels about things in this movie. He's not just yeah. a monster co-pilot. No, he's like he a monster co-pilot. He, he is, has opinions. He's got opinions. He's got a heart. He's got a soul. He's got a lot of. He's got a lot of love to give. He's got yeah. a whole lot of love, as the Zeppelin would say. <laughs> um, when he starts attacking the stormtroopers when they're about to freeze Luke. Han. I mean Han. I'm so sorry. All good. Emotions. Emotions coming from Chewie landing on me. Oh, that my gosh. And they sequence. have to calm him down. They have to calm him down, and Leia has to come and hold his arm. That sequence it destroys me. And it's the haunt. Like Harrison Ford is doing great work. Chewie, Chewie, there's, there'll be another time, pal. You yeah. have to take the princess. You have to take care of her. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm welling up. I'm welling up. She says, I love you. They, or they kiss. He gets pulled away. She says, I love you. He says, I know. I'm in full waterworks. It's so great. And here's the thing. At this point in the movie, I'm expecting them to save him. That's the greatest thing about this movie is the rebels don't get a single win. No. They, they lose the whole fucking film. And they, they fight hard, but they're just outmanned. Out they're outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. Thank because you. Because Vader's got, Vader's got a motive, man. There's nothing more dangerous than a man with a motive. Oh, it's so good. One thing that I did not enjoy. Can't even believe that we're going to talk about anything like that. But I'm ready. I didn't like that C-3PO and R2-D2 were separated the whole time. Oh, okay. Um, I understand it had to happen. I understand it had to happen, but I, I just... Yeah, I mean, dude, you can't have R2-D2 at Cloud City run into Darth Vader. No, you can't. Because he knows him. Yeah. You can't oh, wait, he it. didn't know him then. He didn't know him in 81. Got it. Uh, no, it's great that they're separated, man, because that, that's even more conflict. That's even more drama because those two can't really cope without each other. They can't. It gave us some really, really winning C-3PO dialogue, though. C-3PO steals the show once he gets blasted in Cloud City. Do you know what I didn't remember? I didn't remember that they shut him off when he gets annoying. Yeah. I don't remember that. That's funny. Yeah, I wish there's people out there that I wish had a gold button like that on the <laughs> back of their neck. They don't utilize that trick ever again, do they? Uh, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. He asks once, maybe in the first movie, maybe in the first movie, or it's in the next movie, 
where he's like, if you won't be needing me, I'll be shutting down. I can't that, remember if that's in that's the first in the first movie. movie. That's in the first okay. movie, and he takes a little nap. Yeah, I don't think they shut him down again until they wipe his memory later on in episode nine. Spoiler for, alert! For ten minutes, Spoiler they wipe alert. his memory for ten minutes. Yep, he gets it right back. High stakes, man. High stakes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's funny to contrast that with this movie because this movie actually really leans into the stakes of it all. Like they let us believe when the credits roll that Han's not going to make it. Yeah. That we're not going to see Han. Everyone's separated. That's sad. Bad situation we're in. Uh, There's also some really wonderful situations in this movie. Like, uh, I still really, really got excited at the Wampa Slaughter moment. Yeah, I'm upset he didn't finish the job. Yeah. But he got got the arm off. He's just trying, because he's not a killer. Yeah, but that motherfucker, actually, you know what? It, It turns out there's two, that's not the Wampa that attacked him. In canon, there's uh, there's a male and a female, and uh, that's the female. CJ, you know how I feel about this. It's it's you got to put it in the movie. You got to put it in the movie, right? But I mean, yeah, there's that's not. But then that's actually um, a man in a in a wampa costume. They they added it later on. The one that's eating in the cave. They added it later on. Yeah, that I was know. In the original cut, uh, and he's on it. This the ceiling is only like four and a half feet tall, so he, it makes the guy look much bigger. It's a really exciting scene. I, I love the Wampa scene. I'd forgotten that it was, and it's it's genuinely threatening. You're scared for Luke's life. Yeah, and then he uses the Force for the Very first cool. time. That it, like we see him use the Force, right? Yeah. Like we he used the Force in the trench run, but when he when he gets that lightsaber, chills. It's like yeah, he's got it. He's on his way. It's so good. We this is the, also the first time we see a Force ghost. First Force ghost. Yep. Yeah. Force we ghosts are sure new we development. Were get, we weren't sure if we were going to get Alec Guinness or not either when we started filming. We, like I was on the team. Uh, yeah, so that was good. Alec Guinness, you got to go to the Dagobah system to uh, learn from the Jedi Master who trained me, Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, nope. Nope. <laughs> Yoda, sorry. Do you, you are welcome to bring that up later in the second half of the program when we talk about foreseeable plot holes. <laughs> Okay, I got you. <clears throat> Not a plot hole, because Yoda did instruct the younglings. So Yoda did instruct Obi Wan Kenobi. Listen, I'm going to move on from this because I have a feeling it's going to go the way of a. Uh, sometimes it's the will of the force conversation we had last time. So sometimes it is the will of the force. Other times, the red guy just has bad wiring. Okay. Anyhow, so let's talk about Dagobah because Luke going to Dagobah. This I this is another situation like uh, before we go to Dagobah. I just I would be remiss if I didn't mention the ultimate cameo by my man John Ratzenberger, Cliff Clavin from Cheers. It's a little known fact that John Ratzenberger is in the Rebel base on Hoth. I had I to say that. that. I didn't I know that. Say, you didn't know that. I didn't know that. And it is truly a little known fact. Yeah, he's the guy that is talking to Leia about, yeah, I don't know, they haven't come back yet. So fucking shit. And then later when she's telling the the guys what to do, you know, two two X-Wings against a Star Destroyer. And she's all ion cannon. He's the one that says, all right, boys, let's go. John Ratzenberger. That's Cliff Cliff Clavin. Yeah. 
Mr. Potato Head himself. From the, yeah, from Toy Story. Anyway, you were saying Dagobah, where on Dagobah, there's a monster. And do you know what that monster's name is? I have a feeling you're about to tell me. It's a Hagabad, which is just Dagobah letters mixed up. The audience. I wish I wish you could see how pleased CJ is with himself right now. That's what I'm laughing at. CJ is so pleased with sharing this fact with me, and I'm so appreciative to be graced with this knowledge. To Hagabad. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I would say, so similar to A New Hope, how the thing I remember the most is when they're on the Death Star and trying yeah. to disable the tractor beam. That's the part of the movie that I remember the most. Yep. The training on Dagobah is the part of this movie that I really remember the most. It's the training on Dagobah and the fight with Vader at the end. Those are two things that are beat for beat etched in my mind. Partially because I got to be honest. Mark Hamill's arms. He looks kind of hot, man. He's so hot. He's Forget so hot. It. And he yeah. wasn't hot in the first movie. He was a no. kid. You know, like no. he looks hot in this movie. He's got triceps that are fucking diamonds of gold, man. Ah, it's beautiful. I, I thank you for seeing that that was going to be where I was going with this. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm envious every time I watch. I'm like, oh, man, I got to work on He looks fantastic. Yeah. How effective is this Yoda puppet? This Yoda puppet is as good as it gets. And I'll tell you, they took a risk, man, because this hadn't really been done in film before. And they, they built the sets four feet up so that Frank Oz could be down doing his thing. The guy who designed the puppet, uh, I can't remember his name, but he designed it to look half like himself and half like Albert Einstein. Uh, the the lore that this guy is, that Yoda is spitting out at us, he's teaching us about the force. He's teaching us about the nature of this universe, you know, good and bad, as, as flawed as the Jedi's ultimate philosophy is. Uh, and the puppetry work, again, by Frank Oz, the voice and puppetry work by Frank Oz is fucking legendary. It changes the game in cinema. There's a story that George Lucas actually lobbied really, really hard for Frank Oz to get nominated for an Oscar for this performance. And I can see why he did it, because it's a spectacular performance and they weren't going to acknowledge uh, a puppeteer. Right. A supporting actor. But right. they should have, because this, it's great. It's amazing. It's super effective. Everyone knows how Yoda phrases a sentence. You know what I mean? Like this, yep. the design of that dialogue is brilliant. I love that Yoda does the same trick that Ben does in the first movie. He's like, oh yeah, I know Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that like, powerful, is that like an ancient that. Jedi thing? Like, oh yeah, that's a, it's, it's like we're hiding. Uh, so let's just make sure that we know who we're telling who we are first before we really conceive it, uh, conceal, uh, con- conceal, conceal it. No. Reveal it. Concede it. Concede it. Sure. Concede it, but reveal it for sure. Uh, and Yoda being such a little bitch at the beginning, treating Luke, you know, testing his patience, the whole, the introduction of Yoda. When he comes in with a feels like what? <laughs> Inserts himself in the conversation. It's hysterical. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just so good. And you know, R2 and Yoda, they have instant chemistry because in season six of The Clone Wars, <laughs> R2 and Yoda first went to Dagobah together. Oh. So I'm watching this 
film today. I actually just finished it before we started. And I'm watching when uh, Yoda takes the flashlight and R2 like is reaching out to get it. And I go, oh no, plot hole, plot hole, plot hole. But then I'm like, nah, the way that they go back and forth and when Yoda hits him with the cane, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, there's familiarity there. They're boys. Okay. Those guys know each other. But what my favorite Yoda comes, try not, do or do not is obviously my favorite Yoda. But what, my other favorite Yoda, Luke says, I'm looking for a great warrior. War does not make one great. Everything we think we know about Jedi wisdom comes from Yoda in this movie. That's right. That's the only reason that we think of the Jedi text being so sacred. It's the only reason we understand that the Jedi was a religion. Yeah, as opposed to a band of warriors. Yeah, this is the first time, and this is why we believe that. And they just carry this on. But it's super inspiring the way he does it. One thing that put me off a little bit was, uh, I didn't remember this, when Yoda was like, about fear, He's like, you're not afraid. You will be. You will be. You will be. Yeah. Talk to me. What's the issue? Well, the issue is later on in the canon, we talk about fear leading to the dark side. Okay. I, yeah, I can see that. I think that, um, I think Yoda knows that once Luke goes into that cave, the dark side cave, that he's going to be fearful. I think he knows that once he sees his friends in peril, and is able to see the future that he's going to be fearful and that he's going to have to conquer that fear and not let it lead to hate or anger or the dark side. Let's talk about the Dagobah cave real quick. Yeah, I'm ready. So do you want me to talk about the Dagobah cave having seen season six of the clone wars or not seeing season six of the clone wars? Do you know what? I'm going to talk about the Dagobah cave having not seen it. So you can talk about it having seen it. Okay. 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 So we get into the Dagobah cave, a very slow motion sequence. Yoda's like, you won't need your weapons there. And he takes his weapons anyway. Takes them anyway. We know know he's in for a big shit then. It's interesting though, because Luke is going to rebel against Yoda in a few minutes again. Yeah. So he goes in there. He sees Darth Vader there. Beheads him. And it's his face in the mask. Right. So what do we think this means? It means that Luke is fearful of turning to the dark side. Fascinating. Yeah. Because you know what I took it to mean as? The last time that I saw it, I took that as the first nod that that is his bloodline. Sure. And that is also, I think, an acceptable answer on the quiz. But I think that it, it has more to do with Luke going down this path of seeing the future and knowing that the further he gets into this life of the Jedi, the more danger there is of him turning to the dark side. Like his father, who, mm-hmm. who is ultimately in that mass, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, I think that, I don't think it's as much of a clue as it is a warning. I understand that, especially because I'm not really sure at this point in filming if they had decided that Vader was actually his father. Right, right. Because apparently they decided that right before they shot the final few shots. Yeah, and David Prowse was told to say, Obi-Wan killed your father. Yeah, which would make sense from a screenwriting standpoint. Or from a certain point of view. 
Very, very cool. So talk to me about this season six Clone Wars take on the Dagobah cave. So when in season six of the Clone Wars, Yoda goes to Dagobah to learn how to uh, become a force ghost, essentially. Right. It's one of his first stops along the way. He has to go to this other place and deal with a bunch of trials and tribulations. But his first stop is Dagobah and he goes into the dark side cave and that's when he sees the future of the Jedi. And he has to deal with his fear and his anger and his hate. So I think that the dark side cave in canon now is something where you go in there and like you only take what you know, you only take what you bring in. What you bring in is your deepest fears and your deepest, you know, I guess fears. I've said that twice, but it really is what you are most afraid of. And you have to you have to face it. And you can either cut its head off or you can understand what it's trying to tell you and Luke didn't there's a lot of things punctuating this story dealing with personal identity versus your destiny Mm, sure so whereas Luke was struggling with this in the first movie he felt called for greater things as was in his hero's journey Uh, but his personal identity he thought was that of a farmer yep and then he finds that he is not he's actually uh his father was a great warrior and he can be a great warrior too. Yep. And then they doubled down on that in this movie and be like, not only was your father a great warrior, your father is an arch nemesis of yours to, he's a threat to the entire universe. Yeah. And, and he wants you, he's seeking you out personally. It's a very cool dynamic, a very cool twist on it. I loved Yoda's reveal of there is another, I love how ambiguous they leave it. Apparently in earlier drafts of the script, it was more clear that there was a sister and we were going to introduce the sister later. Right. And then they later decided the sister was going to be Leia, which makes sense how they play up the triangle at the beginning. They play up the love triangle in A New Hope and they play up the triangle at the top of this movie. Yep. Love it. I love it. I love that it's there. I love that it exists. I have no problem with the kiss. I think everything about it is great. And the way that it pays off is great. You know, the the scene in Jedi creates a little bit of a plot hole, but they fix that in, you know, uh, the Naboo Chronicles, which is not the name of it, but that's what I meant. That's not the name of it. Uh, We got to talk about Lando. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready for my Billy D dose of the day. So here's the thing. On this rewatch, I knew Lando was going to be a bad guy, not because I had seen the movie before, but because he's wearing a cape and apparently... All the bad guys wear capes. The, all the way from Darth Vader to Orson Krennic. Yeah. In one. You got a cape on, you're a bad dude. And that's the thing. I was like, look at that costuming choice. Lando comes out wearing a cape. So the children understand that he's going to be a bad guy. Yep. And Leia, t- Leia tries to tell us, like, I don't trust this dude. Well, and even Han admits to not trusting him. Right. But what else are we going to do? Listen, I understand why Han doesn't trust him, though, because... Billy D calls him Han throughout the entire movie. Billy D what? Calls him Han throughout the entire movie. Han. I'm trying to save him. He says Han so many times. I was like, wow, nobody called him on that. Nobody gave him the note. I think maybe it's like I did a production of Rent once uh-huh. where there was a, a person in the cast who kept singing Joffrey Bean. <laughs> and the director knew it and I knew it. 
and we just let it go, man. Like we just let it go. We watched it happen. It was a source of, you know, amusement for us. And then finally someone else ended up telling them that it was Jeffrey Bean. I'm glad that he got the note. They got the note. Yeah. They got the note. So this Darth Vader trap though, I was still shocked by it. When the doors open and Darth Vader's in there. We would be honored if you would join us. Especially because they kind of set it up that it's going to be Boba Fett in there. Yeah. Yeah. I've just made an arrangement that'll keep the empire out of here forever. Yeah. And you think it's Boba Fett. He's going to turn him in. Like you kind of put the piece together and it's Darth Vader himself. Darth Vader has shown up himself to make sure this gets done. It's thrilling. He's on a mission, man. I told you earlier, there's nothing. He's he's got a motive. He's, he's got, he wants Skywalker. He knows that it's his son. Cannon has told us later on that we, he, he and him and Boba Fett actually had a conversation coming out of the Christmas special. So there's a comic book that references the Christmas space. Anyway, uh, he knows that it's his son. He's like you said, he's shown up to put the stamp on it himself. But the greatest thing, man, is after like he get, takes Han's gun and the troopers like trap them in the room. Everybody comes in the room, the door shut and then they have dinner. Yeah. They ate dinner together. Yeah, you know, because they're classy. There's all class. How does Darth Vader eat with that mask on? Well, yeah, you got to wonder. Maybe he's maybe he's got some kind of straw mechanism, you know, and obviously when you're Darth Vader, they're going to prepare your food the way that you want it. I guess you know, so. He's got to eat. He does. Speaking of his mask, back in the earlier in the movie when they're putting the mask on his head and all you see is the back of Anakin's head. Come on. Oh. It's so scary. It's so it's scary. scary. And the, Every- the greatest thing is, did you see the breathing mechanism going the other way? Oh, so good. Helmets coming down, the breathing. Oh, man. Scary as fuck. Oh, my God. So good. Let's take a break. All right. This break is brought to you by My Thirst. My Thirst is bringing you this break. That's a good break. Not My Thirst for sex, but My Thirst for water. We here at Icon or Wycon love to talk to each other. But even more than that, Andrew and I would love to hear from you. Take a minute to subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast apps. Favorites, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. I know, Amazon Music. We just made the cut. And don't be afraid to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Icon or Wycon. At Icon or Wycon. Put it on Reddit. Back to the show. All right, we are back. We're back, people. There's so much to talk about in this movie that we could go on and on for hours, but I think we need to just really focus on the one thing that we failed to get in this first chunk, which was the Luke and Vader fight. Can we just talk about that for a moment? It is absolutely delicious. The way that Darth Vader toys with Luke in the saber battle right from the beginning, you know, he's like, all right, boy, what you got? And then, you know, Luke is fighting with all of his energy, two hands, and Vader's got just one hand out, flicks him in, you know, just gets him into the hole to freeze him with carbonite, uses the force to turn it on, and Luke jumps out, and then Vader says, all too easy. But it wasn't. And then Vader utters my favorite Darth Vader line, impressive, most impressive. Oh, I'm sold. Sold. It's, It's so good. I got to say, they really set it up that your hero is not going to make it. He's not going to, he's, he's in trouble, boys. He's in trouble. And he has rebelled against Obi-Wan and Yoda. They both are telling me like, you're going to die. Don't do it. 
And they both, I forgot they did this. They both say that it's a sacrifice that he has to make. Yeah. His friends, but he yeah. can't do it. If, 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 and he says, yeah, and sacrifice Han and Leia and Chewie. Don't forget Chewie, Luke. Everybody cuts out Chewie. You know, but, and Yoda says, if you believe in what they stand for, then yeah. Kind of the way that the Jedi sacrificed them, their ideals and themselves to try to save the Republic. Yep. You know, there's some, there's some fault, there's some fault there. And I think Luke, you know, you, you see him in, you say, so you see him in a new hope and he's got white clothes. Mm-hmm. Now you see him in this movie and they're like a little darker, you know, and in the next movie he, he's wearing black. So we'll talk about this later on when we get into further episodes later, but maybe there is a little bit of Luke saying, you know, about the Jedi. Maybe you guys don't have this, maybe, maybe you guys don't really have a clear understanding of what you are or what you're supposed to be. Because Because black and white is not possible. It's not black and white. I'm going to save my friends. And you know what? I'm going to go face my fear and I'm going to face Vader. And little does he know that if Vader wanted to, like that fight wouldn't have lasted very long. Yeah. No, like but, if Vader wanted to kill him, that would have been it. No, but Vader was trying to capture him. And also Vader did not expect him to just drop down and sacrifice himself to the will of the force to fall through a hole. Because as we continue to find out, falling down a hole in Star Wars does not mean you die. No, it doesn't. It does not. That actually that never not, means you die. It does not mean that. Yeah, it's actually you're, you have a life beyond and it's going to be even better. Your yeah. life after the hole is going to be better than, than before. Um, but yeah, I love that once Luke starts to like make a little headway in the fight when they get out onto that thing and he hits Vader in the arm, then Vader gets pissed. Yeah. And he's like, okay, fucking enough. I've had it. There goes your hand. I'm your dad. Join me or die. Oh, it's so good. So the I am your father reveal. Yep. Come yep. on now. Still hits really hard. Slaps as hard as it did in 1980. Like, oh, absolutely. That, like my, my, my next great moment in life is going to be if I'm fortunate enough to have kids to watch them watch that. That is some great movie making. I don't know when they thought of that change. They had to, they had to be doing that change while they had done principal photography because he, then he references it later in the hospital bed at the end. Oh yeah, for sure. So like he he knew at a certain point, but we know for a fact that when they filmed it, that is not what David Prowse said. No, David Prowse definitely said something else. And I think it was because they, I think Mark Hamill and Lucas and Kasdan and maybe Kirshner were the only people that knew. It's so, his reaction is so heartbreaking. Oh my God. That's some of the greatest acting I've ever seen. That's impossible. That no, that's impossible. It's like, oh, bro, I hope you're right, but like, I don't think you are. And like, I'm crushed. Oh, it's so good. My heart broke for him. And he's just sitting there holding his like severed hand at the wrist. Yep. Just, yep. oh, it's so good. It's such a juicy moment. And it really kind of sets the franchise off into the direction that it was going to go. And this is, this is when the, the actual Star Wars as a unit readies itself. For franchising absolutely because yep. that's the last really big major thread that gives so much room to unpack that thread can go anywhere and that's yeah. your 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 second part of a trilogy anything you thought you knew is different now 
Yeah, and good on the filmmakers for saying, you know what, we've got a sequel. We're going to give you like a little bit of what you know, but we're also going to flip the script. We're going to change the narrative. We're going to subvert your your expectations, but we're not going to destroy the world and we're not going to destroy the universe and we're going to stick to the lore. I feel like what you're saying is very, very pointed. It's a little pointed. And we're going to address it later. I know exactly where you're going with this, and now is not the time because we need to get to the ephemeral questions. Okay, good. Saved by the ephemeral questions again. Once again. What worked for you about this movie, CJ? Hit me. What worked for me was, um, can I say everything? (laughs) I I mean, I I would like to say everything, but what really worked for me is that you've got the sequel – you've got the heroes and the heroes don't get a win. Yeah. The whole freaking movie. We, they are losing from the beginning. They can't win for losing. They get chased out of their, they get chased out of their base. They get chased into space. They have to leave their Jedi training to save their friends, but they, they really don't because their one friend is now in carbonite. We don't know what's going to happen to him. Uh, and, and then we're going to get, we're going to lose our hand. We're going to find out that the, the biggest villain in the world is our, is our father. There's just, there's nothing about it that says the good guys win. It turns the expectations on their heads and it just makes me happy when the good guys get the shit kicked out of them for two hours. It's amazing. It makes for thrilling cinema. I'll tell you no what question. works for me. Tell me. This dialogue, man, that dialogue is good, 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 good. That yeah, yeah. You, let's just do some driving totals. You've got the Han and Leia witty banter, right? Yep. You've yep. got Han by himself giving you some of the most quotable moments. Yep. You've got your first series callback to I have a bad feeling about this. Yes. This is going right. to be a thing that we come back to. This is going to be a well that we mine for years to come and films for to come. Decades, uh, generations. You've got the actual way that Yoda speaks. Mm-hmm. You've got the concept of force wisdom being doled out. Yep. Force you've language. The, you've got the concept of you have to enter this realm and really try to understand what the force and what the dark side is telling you. You have all of this foolishness. Add to that, you've agreed, got your... Agreed. You've got your major, major franchise oft misquoted moments. Yeah, yeah. He never says, Luke, I am your father, but that's what we remember. Yeah, it's no, I am your father. He clarifies. It's great. Another great Vader quote is, apology accepted. The dialogue is great. All of Vader's charm is in this movie. You don't see it in A New Hope. You remember it in A New Hope, but you're really remembering it from this movie. Yeah, from 12 minutes of screen time to one could argue it's Vader's movie. He's in this movie a lot. We didn't even talk about the oft reshot dialogue with the Emperor, the first appearance of the Emperor. Right. It was a woman covered in in a face mask voiced by another actor. Yeah. Yep. We also didn't talk about um, Julian Glover. Julian Glover. Yeah, Julian Glover, who was the, um, he was General Veers. Who's General Veers? Oh my God. Julian Glover played General Veers. 
Yeah, I just checked it. It is. It's right. Julian Glover plays General Veers. General Veers is the guy who uh, runs the ADAP brigade, right? He's the guy that like blows up the the, sh- the shield generator. And then he becomes Grandmeister Pycelle in fucking Game of Thrones. And he also had like a huge career, you know, besides those two things that I just mentioned. But Julian Glover's turn as General Veers is always remembering to me because I actually wanted to be General Veers as a Halloween costume when I was a kid. The shield generator is down, Lord Vader. You may start your landing. What a niche character to want to be a Halloween costume. I totally wanted to be General Veers, man. Because he's in the the, the general's uniform on the ship, mm-hmm. but he's in the, the you know, the, the field military uniform on the ADAT, or the AT-AT. I grew up saying ADAT. This AT-AT nonsense is some real late 90s bullshit for me. AT-AT, it's an ADAT, it's a walker. Dave Filoni, who runs Lucasfilm now, well, I mean, he, I guess he sort of runs Lucasfilm now, he said you can call it whatever you want. You can call it an ad you can call it an ATAT, you can call it a walker. So the guy who runs the cannon says it's good. So we're fine, you and I, right now. It's, Listen, it's, but, it, but it's an ATAT. My mother gave me the toy and she said, here, play with this ad that I bought your brother. Ooh, you got an ad That's That's some high-end Star Wars toys, man. That's not, that's no joke. You know I've got the original like action figure case from 1978 that's shaped like C-3PO. Did you talk to Matt about this at the wedding? Yeah. Because you guys both had all the toys. I got a bunch but, of stuff still. But I had the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, so I, you all. Listen, because life balances itself out. Balance. Balance. Anakin Skywalker. What didn't work for you about this film? Well, the ADAT moment. <laughs> the, um, the Battle of Hoth. Uh-huh. And here's why. It seems like the Empire was real hell-bent on, like, destroying the rebellion here in this moment right of like shutting down the gen- the the generator shutting down the base capturing skywalker so the adats the ATATs come the walkers they're there they get the shield generator vader and the stormtroopers enter the base the millennium falcon flies away cut to like another transport just sort of like casually taking off luke like packing up his his ex-wing. Where did the Empire go? And that's what I was saying in the beginning. They, they strike back, they get in, and then they get out. And just like on Bespin, right? Like <laughs> the, the Vader and them, are they're there, but they're just letting the Millennium Falcon come back and pick up Luke. It's like, and, and, and leaving Hoth, Luke, what did he, did Luke leave like from the backside of the planet? Because the next time we see the Falcon, it's in space being attacked by Star Destroyers. So it didn't it didn't work for me. That sequence was a lot of action and it was really awesome, but it feels like it just wasn't finished properly. I feel that uh, to me watching that scene feels like there was about 20 more minutes of footage that made all of those beats line up and then there was no time for it, so they just cut it together to look awesome and move on. I think you're right there because you know the there's a whole section of of deleted scenes with the wampas. attacking like the base yeah yeah i think that was supposed to be more of the movie yeah for sure but it didn't work for me the way that it was cut together so that's my that's my answer to that how about you well i already talked about the c3po and r2d2 dynamic and that's a big loss for me in this story and i think it's absolutely absolutely necessary but i gotta share this answer between that 
and it's a too late introduction of Lando for him to pack enough emotional punch. Okay. I, I don't know him well enough to be upset about his betrayal to yeah. believe that he's back on my side. You know, we for all the character development that went into everything else, uh, Lando is a bit underserved for how important he eventually becomes to the narrative. I can see that. And I think that I think that Han, I think Harrison does a lot of heavy lifting with that. You know, I feel like he maybe ad-libbed a couple of pals or buddies in there just to be like, like, hey, that's missing from this, you guys. Like the relationship building between me and him. Yeah. Him it's and gone. I. It's gone. And I guess we wanted the Billy D. Williams reveal, which is interesting, but I think if we can spend so much time on Dagobah we can cut to Cloud City a little bit before our heroes get there. Copy. Copy. I, 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 I can get behind that. I put my stamp of approval on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. Does this film make your Desert Island top five? Of course it does. This is my favorite movie <laughs> of all time. <laughs> so it makes it. Yeah, this is my favorite movie. It's between this and It's a Wonderful Life for all the reasons. Yeah. But, but this movie is perfect. It from top to bottom, it has everything that I want in a film. It continues a saga that I obviously have a deep, deep love for. The movie itself is just the examples of filmmaking, like it's filmmaking 101 because it's a fantasy, it's a romance, it's a comedy, it's an action film. It's name a genre, it's it's not a musical. But with the introduction of the Imperial March, I'm going to go ahead and like put it in the category of, wow, this film has some fucking awesome music. That chase music. I mean, come the fuck on, man. It's got we touched it on this a little bit in the last episode, though, that the score definitely becomes a main character in this movie. This movie yes. has at least... more music in it than the last one did. Has to. I was listening to orchestra for a long time and I was here for it. And it became part of the identity of the series, having that much orchestration. Yeah. Very little silence in this movie, whereas there are whole sequences that are silent in Star Wars. It's very little silence. Everything. Han and Leia's love theme. Oh my God. That's, that's what takes us out. Yeah. That's what takes us out at the end. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Yoda's theme, man. Oh my gosh, Yoda's so theme. good. Brilliant. When he's lifting the, the fucking X-Wing out of the water, come on. Amazing. I got to tell you, when I started watching this movie, I had zero intention of putting Empire Strikes Back in my desert on top five. But now I come oh. to you, CJ. Oh. And, and for everyone that's oh. listening, for our 17 listeners, oh. this is completely authentic, oh. unrehearsed, unscripted. Empire Strikes Back makes my desert on top five. Wow, yeah, It's better than I remember it. It's really, really solid. And I've seen a lot of movies since the first time I saw it. I've seen a lot of movies since the third time I've seen it. But this moment watching it right now, I'm like, nah, man. Especially now that the sequel trilogy has completed. I'm like, you never really, we can say it never really gets as good as Empire gets. None of them make it this far. Empire really fucking nails it. Beat for beat. So good. Yes. No question. There's that one moment where C-3PO says Mistress Leia, which we never say again. And I was like, you were trying that. We were trying, the the droids are trying that out. I'm trying Mistress today. 
he's the guy, you know, so I think we're going to give him a big old pass. Yeah. He's the best. He gets a strong feature in this movie too. He does a really, really great job. Absolutely. Anthony Daniels. Anthony Daniels. Yeah. He's really, really good. Possible foreseeable plot holes. Well, the one that I don't like, and now some would argue that I shouldn't even bring it up because it has nothing to do with a plot hole in a movie, right? Like this plot hole isn't created for the Skywalker saga, but when 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 Yoda says there is another, that boy is our only hope. There is another. He's talking about Leia. Yeah. Right. What about Ezra Bridger? And you're looking at me like, who the fuck is Ezra Bridger? Ezra Bridger is a Jedi character in Star Wars Rebels that exists in canon. So can I say that that's a plot hole? I, it's a plot hole to you. I'm going to say plot hole to me. I'm going to say what I've said to you a thousand times, which you've repeated back to me a thousand <laughs> times. You got to put it in the movie. You got to put it in the movie. Okay. So then my plot hole is going to be, it's still going to be Ezra Bridger, but my other plot hole is going to be when Luke and R2 are flying into Dagobah. Oh wait, no, that again, that again is a, a plot hole created by a cartoon series. <laughs> oh no. Do I have a plot hole? I guess I'm going to have to say my Qui-Gon Jinn is my plot hole. That's a good one. That's a good, yeah. that's a strong one, actually. Yeah. As much as I like Qui-Gon Jinn, like the fact that he is not mentioned at all should have proven problematic. Yeah. I mean, when writing those scripts. If Obi-Wan had said the Jedi master who taught me when I was a kid, then I'd be like, okay, great. Yeah, great. great. But yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn, what's yours? When the Emperor says that Luke is the offspring of Anakin. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because that is, those are pages from a draft of the script where Vader is not the father. Right. Was that in the original? Or did Ian McDermott say that? No, that was in the original cut. The offspring of Anakin Skywalker. The answer is is yes. Offspring of Anakin is in the original, but that conversation did get completely re-recorded by Ian McDermott. The dialogue did change. Yeah, but Offspring of Anakin Skywalker is there. Now, could you say that Anakin Skywalker is dead? We're getting to some Will of the Force territory with that one, though. I mean, it's Will of the Force. because Vader, Vader is aware that he is Anakin, though. He's was. aware that he used to be Anakin Skywalker, but he's now Darth Vader. So it makes sense to me that the Emperor would say the offspring of Anakin Skywalker and not your kid. So then I hear that, I take it in, I respect it. If that moment has to exist under the assumption that Vader and Anakin are separate people, why does Vader say, I am your father and not I was once Anakin Skywalker? Boom, conversation over, mic dropped. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Well, I could counter with, in this moment, Darth Vader is trying to connect with his son and he's trying to bring him on board. So he would say, I am your father, but like, you're going to be Darth Lucas. (laughs) 
Darth Lucas is going to be my niche Star Wars Halloween costume this year. Now we're talking. We're going to be who and be like, yeah, we're well, that's, like, that's if in model. 1980, Luke Skywalker joined up with Darth Vader, he would be Darth Lucas and this is my costume. Like Darth something Luke. that requires a ton of explanation. Yeah, that's that's the only good costume though. Yeah, it's really you know, good. If you show up as, you know, Pinky, people are going to know that you're Pinky. Absolutely. I think a second runner-up for possible plot hole is the Leia kiss because they really filmed the movie like the love triangle was going to be a thing, and then the events at the end of or the events in Return of the Jedi really destroy the love triangle angle, and we sure. do dedicate some quality screen time in the first two movies to setting that up as a problem. I'm telling you, go watch that trailer, man. It's so awkward. They set it up, right? They they really set it up, and it's like that's his sister. Yeah, yeah, they didn't know that at that point at all. All right, man. So like, all this left is special award. Empire Strikes Back. Here's your moment. Go. CJ's special award. Now, I feel like the Empire Strikes Back started a fad trend, uh, a thing in films, the surprise, right? Where you're watching a movie and you think you know, but you just don't know. So the I See Dead People Award goes to (laughs) Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back for giving us the very first, and in my opinion, Still the best. I see dead people moment with no, I am your father. Tell me your special award, Andrew. All right. First of all, I got to say, going Shyamalan with that award is priceless. It's more than I could have ever wished for in that moment. I am to please. Uh, My special award for this moment is didn't know I would feel that there for Empire Strikes Back. Mm. And you know what it goes to? Give it to me. It goes to how lurchy I got watching Luke train on Dagobah. I can't, I can't get over it. I cannot get the image out of my mind. He looks so good. We said it before, man. The boy, the boy looked good. I mean, looked he so worked, good. worked, 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 worked. I'm trying to get there myself. Fingers crossed. I need a Yoda. I just need a Yoda. Is this film an icon or a Y-Con, CJ? This is the most iconic. This is one of the top five iconic movies of all time. I got to say, I agree with you. I mean, it is the voice of this franchise, honestly. It's everything we love about Star Wars came from Empire Strikes Back, and I can appreciate and respect that now. It's real. No question. That's not hyperbole. Everything you remember, everything you associate with what you know is rooted right here in this film. And it's all spun off of that. Icon. Icon, absolutely. CJ. (sighs) Andrew, I feel like after this one, I could retire. This was, a, this was a big one, but we've been kind of leading up to this. I mean, we talked about this during the Viewers Universe, getting to Empire. Sure did. And we knew Empire was going to be a moment for us, and I'm really proud of us. I feel like we did it. I, I'm shocked that we managed to make this episode not three hours long because I was genuinely concerned today. I was yeah. like, are we going to make it? This but was going to be tough. But we did it. We, we kept focused and concise, and, yeah. and may the force be with you. May the force be with you, Andrew. And speaking of the Usk universe, you were going to argue with me about The Empire Strikes Back being a perfect movie. Where are you at today? CJ, I was wrong. You were right. Ah! <laughs> it's so okay, good. Uh, it's so good. It's as good as it gets, man. Like, I literally, I, I turned into a, a, an old British man when it was finished. The, the credits started rolling, and I was like, I have no quarrel with you. But I, <laughs> I was like, it's great. It's great. What am I going to argue about? It's, it's fucking great. There's a couple of nitpicky things, but come on, Empire Strikes Back? Jesus, it's so good. 
I didn't know. I didn't know. And now I know. Mr. President. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, I'm Andrew David Sotomayor. I'm CJ LaRoche, and I will see you next time. (laughs) 